One man, one mission, to equip the Church of Jesus Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit and awaken the Church to the voice of the Spirit. David Cuppet brings to you the School of the Holy Spirit from one of his many missions from around the world, where he aligns with apostolic leaders to eradicate spiritual blindness and reveal the true authority of believers in Christ, to prophesy, heal the sick, raise the dead, and cleanse the lepers. Open your heart and get ready to receive all that the Holy Spirit has for you in this week's session of the School of the Holy Spirit. School is in session. So it's, it's awesome to be embraced, and um, I pray that uh, the words that I speak tonight, you'll receive them um, from a father, um, because that's the Lord's heart, that his whole body would come under the Father's love. Amen. That's what makes you supernatural, right? Because you give your life to a purpose and a cause, and I, I pray you, you hear what I have to say um, from that perspective. And so uh, a couple months ago when I was uh, in, I think I was in Slovakia and Dan, Dan texted me and he says, hey, we're doing revival nights in August. When are you coming? <laughs> when are you open? Um, and so anyway, I started to ask the Lord some questions like I always do. Um, and the Lord gave me um, two distinct visions that um, he, he wanted to um talk to Dan and Linda about and really about the, the body, about the church and, and I think where you're going. Um, one of those was really for Dan and Linda um, specifically, um, but the other vision is really about uh, this house um, and the call that's on this house. Do you guys know that you're, you're in a supernatural place with a supernatural calling? You have to believe that. You have, you have to realize that you're not in a cookie cutter place. You're not in another cookie cutter trying to get more numbers, just trying to keep people happy. That's not what an apostolic church does. An apostolic church comes under a vision and actually burns for the call of God because you're all one with a purpose to do a supernatural thing. That's what a vision is. It's supernatural. It's from him. Okay. And so um, as I as I was praying, the Lord started to speak to me. Um, he started to speak to me about increase. And I, I uh, you know, I, I, I said that word in my statement um, uh, for the for the promo video, um, because that's the punchline of this increase. Um, but oftentimes increase um, increase isn't like uh, just a simple exchange. Increase oftentimes is fought for. Right. Right. The uh, the Israelites, um, you know, the Lord just didn't plop them into a promised land. He actually took them into battle. So that they would know him, so that they would rely on him, they would know who he is, that he is the God of increase, he's the God of purpose, he's the God of power, he's the God of all things, right? Because if it was that easy, everybody would do it. The cookie cutters would, would get it. But this, it's not about a cookie cutter, it's, it's about a call. It's about a, a thing that the Lord has specifically for Muskoka, Okay? And I believe there is a burning in the Lord's heart for a birthing of an apostolic super center in Muskoka. And you got to realize that this isn't just a normal thing, okay? This isn't just a, a regular church thing. Like you're looking, ah, I like this for, for a little bit. I, I'm going to go try out this other place. When you enter into an apostolic anointing, the Lord asks for your heart. He asks that you would be committed. 
You see, a lot of people go to church and it's like going through the motions. It's like there's no real burning. There's no real call. There's no real pushing in. There's no real overcoming. And so people get bored and they hop from one place to another, going from one cookie cutter to another. But when you know that you are in an apostolic call, that you are part of an apostolic call, you actually, there's a heart act, there's a death of you and a giving of your heart so that God can literally pour out of you. Right? Some, some people talk about, oh, I want this gift. I want, to, I want to do all these things. And listen, I'm all about the gifts, baby. Right? I'm all about, I've been all over the place getting people baptized in the Holy Spirit and awakening people to the presence of the Lord. But when you're, once you're awakened, once you're in, uh, you're, you're flowing in a baptism of the Holy Spirit, there's a, there's a giving of the heart to a vision and a call that is actually, if you don't actually give your heart to it, there's pieces of you that will never, never be revealed. There's aspects of you and, and the call of God that's on your life that won't be revealed until you give yourself to another call. Okay? And so I want to talk to you tonight about increase and really what the cost of increase is. All right? There's a, <laughs> there's a scripture. Um, actually, before I talk about, De- I'm going to t- take you to Deuteronomy 30. But before I get there, it's important that you understand as a body what unity is. Because there's a lot of junk definitions out there about unity. And most of them are humanistic. They don't require you to do what Jesus said. Whoever desires to save his life must lose it. You must pick up your cross and follow me. And a lot of people think, well, I went to the altar. I I gave my life to Jesus. But if you don't actually give your heart to a call, to a purpose, the the real um, aspects of unity will not actually be revealed. You, you won't actually understand unity. Unity, Jesus actually defined unity for us. So I don't, know, I don't care whatever, whatever definition you've heard, you know, all these, we, we just have to come together around a campfire and sing Kumbaya. Come on, just, you know, put down our differences. We're going to, you know, those bumper stickers, they have all the different major religion symbols on them. We just come under one. We're just going to sing Kumbaya. Well, what's wrong with that? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. There's only one way, right? There's only one way, and that's through the cross. And every one of you have a cross to bear, okay? Jesus took your sin to the grave and and all that stuff to empower you. But when he empowers you, he asks for all of you. Not just Sunday morning. Come on, not not just a couple days a week. He wants people to come under a vision. And he said, well, where's that at in the Bible? Jesus said this in John 17. He said, I pray, Father, that they would be one just as I am one with you, that the world may know me. How how Jesus functioned. In John 5, 19, Jesus said, I only do what I see my Father doing. Jesus was, was in prayer getting vision. He functioned in an apostolic vision. His assignment, every, when he went into prayer, every time he came out of prayer, all right, boys, we're going to the woman at the well. All right, boys, we're going to, to the 5,000. All right, boys, right? And he was submitted to the vision, right? Well, how did the apostles function under Jesus? They waited for the king to speak, and they followed. They were under a vision. They actually demonstrated what it means to be under an apostle, under an apostolic call. 
Because everywhere that apostle went, Jesus the apostle, the dead were raised. There was healing. There was supernatural outpouring. They couldn't, Jesus couldn't be stopped. Right? He called, he called the Pharisee, he called the, the fake ones. He called the, the cookie cutter. He said, you're a bunch of hogs, dogs, snakes, dead men, bones. You think you're alive, but you're dead. That's what he told them. Right? Because they, they actually tried to make Jesus, they tried to make the kingdom what they wanted to make it. And Jesus is saying, no, I go into prayer. I, I'm under the vision of my Father. And all those <laughs> under me are made supernatural. All right? Are you under a vision? Are you, are you in an old wineskin trying just to be a good guy? Being a good guy isn't what Jesus called you to be. Playing around with a gift and knowing how to uh, uh, minister in a gift, that's all cool, but are you under an apostolic vision? Come on, I'm, I'm talking to you tonight as an apostle because the Lord came to Muskoka to build something supernatural and it requires a level of commitment that is unlike anything you've probably ever experienced. Okay? Everybody okay? I didn't even start my notes yet, so sorry. <laughs> so Deuter, you guys are all about increase, right? Do you realize that increase comes with a war? It comes with a supernatural like you gotta you gotta take the land. Jesus didn't just give the land, you gotta take the land. And so Deuteronomy 30, um, verse 14 to 16. But the word is very near you, in your mouth and in your heart, that you may do it. The word word there is the word dadar. It's the it's a Hebrew word dadar. It actually means what the Lord is speaking. It means his now vision, his word, his what has the Lord said to the apostolic leader of the house and what you're doing, where you're going, what the assignment is in this place. So the Lord is speaking apostolically to Moses to, 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 and ultimately to Joshua, okay? But the word of, of the Lord is near you, in your mouth and in your heart, that you may do it. See, I have set before you today life and good, death and evil. In that I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways and to keep his commandments, my statutes, statutes, his judgments, that you may live and increase. And the Lord your God will bless you in the land that you go to possess. Do you know you're called to possess something? Are you are you called to possess Muskoka? Are you ultimately called to increase and and um, possess Ontario. Yes. See, the word statutes there is not what you would think. It's actually a word that describes the vision. It describes destiny. It means that if you depend on my voice, I will unlock your destiny. You can't just sit there and study um, and, and uh, establish yourself based on what you know scripturally. The Lord says you depend on me and I will actually unlock what really is locked inside of you. I will actually make you supernatural. Okay? I am the one. The Lord is saying, I am the one who makes you supernatural. I am the one who births sons and daughters. I am the one who calls men and women to possess places. Amen? And then there's a destiny in it. The word, the word, the word judgments is the word judgments there is actually um, 
uh, about future generations. It's about the vision, not only for your life, but about the coming generation that they would actually live in the increase that you fought for. That you actually possessed in prayer, even though it didn't appear like it, but the Lord says, that's yours, that's yours, and that's yours. And you actually say, I fought for that, and therefore my children, what the platform that I increased on, they will actually start here, and then their grandchildren, and then their grandchildren. Because they learned to follow the voice. Because they learned to believe in the apostolic calling that is upon people that are upon the, who the Lord calls. Amen? So what is God saying to you guys? Come on, man. If we did a pool with everybody, if, we, if, if the 110 or so, 120 people in here, if I, if I said, okay, what is the call of God on this house? Could you answer that? And what is your role in making that call successful? Are you under the apostolic anointing? Come on, man, these are important questions. You may say, well, I never, I never heard this asked in church. Well, maybe you never sat in an apostolic meeting. Okay, an apostolic meeting is about apostolic business. It's about purpose. It's about increase. It's about pulling an army together to make you something that you couldn't do on your own. You see, there's a lot of people that can function in a gift. And, and there's many of you who know the Holy Spirit, you're functioning in a gift. But the fullness of a body becoming one is a supernatural thing. And it requires a heart that's given to the call. You have to know the call. So maybe I'll ask that question again later on. Or maybe Sunday night, that's the question that we want everybody to be able to answer. What is the call of God on this house? And what is your role as a member of the army of the Lord possessing the scope? Amen? So I want to... Um, I want to give you a perspective. Um, a lot of people ask me, you know, I, I, if you read my books, there's a lot of supernatural stories and stuff in there. Oh, by the way, they're, they're back there if you, if you want a book. Um, a lot of people say, what do you mean you ministered to 6,000 pastors? How'd that work? I don't know. I said yes 10 years earlier, and then this happened. Way back when I was under an apostle, and I said yes to everything he asked me to do, this happened. And all these gifts, the ability to, to function in the prophetic, the ability to flow in words of knowledge, the ability to actually um, be on the, not only be on the phone, but at midnight when uh, Bobby Joe and uh, Bobby Sue, maybe they're related, maybe they're not, um, and, and you get the call and they're, they're desperate, they're, they're on the verge of divorce, and you and your de deliverance buddy are gone to, to be the church, to be to help and, and to do deliverance ministry. And I mean, my wife can tell you stories, man. I mean, I gave my heart. I gave everything possible for the seven years that I sat under the apostle that I sat under. Okay. And I, I burned, I burned for what the Lord was doing and, and what he promised and what he was going to do. And um, I just had a love to help people. Um, but I didn't function as under my own um Decisions. I functioned under an assignment given to me by my pastor, by, by the apostle. Okay? And so I did that for like seven years. And I mean, um, just all kind of supernatural things I got to experience. It was like training. Okay? 
But the one thing I learned is I was under a man's call. Okay? And when it came time for me to um, go, because it was, you know, the Lord said, okay, you're done here. Um, I'm sending you on your own. You're going to start doing this. Um, the first place he sent me, well, let me tell you this. In the last 10 years since the Lord sent me out, in 2013, the Lord sent me and my family out to Pittsburgh. It was the first place the Lord sent us. Um, my wife and I have moved to five different cities over 10 years. Okay? And um, I can't explain it. That's the call of God on my life. But where I go, um, people like, I don't know, they meet Jesus. They literally meet the living God, right? And I love it. I burn for it. And so I say yes, okay? And you, I, you might be sitting there saying, is this guy asking me to move every, every two years? Maybe, maybe not. I don't know what your call is. Maybe the Lord will reveal it tonight when we start to prophesy. But are you willing to say yes no matter what he asks you to do? Seriously. I, seriously. Are you willing to say yes? It's not, well, Lord, you tell me and I'll think about it. See, your call is connected to your yes. Your calling is connected to your yes. Like, I'm doing it. Like, when you're laying on the floor and you're like, come on, Jesus. Come on, Holy Ghost. Pour out your spirit. We need your Holy Spirit here, Lord. We need miracles. Is your yes a no matter what yes? Yes. Come on, church, ask your neighbor, are, are, you a, are you a 50-50 yes or are you a 100% yes? Say this, say, Holy Ghost, I'm going to give you my heart 100%, and I expect 100% from you. Get ready, get ready, man. You just gave the potter commands, okay? You gave him permission to break you. Add water to that broken clay and reform you and make you something that you can never make on your own. And it all starts with that. I will go anywhere. Come on, I will do what you ask me to do. Whatever you say. But what's your apostle ask you to do? Come on, man. Come on, man. We're going to get to that here in a minute, but here's the deal. I'm going to, I'm going to tell you the story. So you can connect to what, what the cost is, all right? I didn't want to go to Pittsburgh. I actually didn't want to leave, okay? When the Lord, the Lord gave me a series of dreams, and he said, you're done. You are done in this place. I was mad. I was mad as a hornet. <laughs> because I, I envisioned being the prophetic guy at that church. The rest of my life. I was comfortable. First time in my life I had friends. I gave my life to it. It was everything I wanted. Okay? And then all of a sudden, I go do this. I do, I'm, I'm doing meetings in Cape Town, South Africa. And the Lord comes into my room. Um, and he told me a bunch of things. But one of the things he told me, he said, when you get home, you're going to lose your job. Um, and <laughs> thanks, man. <laughs> And, and he, he, he just laid this out for me, and boom, I mean, my wife and I, we land in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, okay? And we didn't know it, but it was a, it was a Holy Ghost setup, okay? So I get this job at a chemical plant in, uh, in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Um, first day of work, you know, I'm all dressed up, walk, walking in. Um, there's a lady waiting for me at the front door. Older lady, she's in her early 60s. 
she swings the door open and she looks me in the face and she goes, you don't know it, but we prayed for you. We've been waiting for you to come to this place. I was like, what? Dude, I was like, what the heck is going on? Like, she, she released a faith into me. Like, it was like earth-shattering faith. Okay? And the next thing that happened a couple weeks later, I'm sitting at my desk. I'm trying to get acquainted with what's going on. Um, I've got, you know, I'm in charge of really the whole, whole operation. Um, and I'm, I'm sitting there. And all of a sudden, the Lord says, uh, the nurse needs the Holy Spirit. I went, the nurse needs the Holy Spirit. And he goes, now. I literally stood up from my desk. I walked into the center of the chemical plant. There's a nurse station. Um, walked in and, uh, you know, little petite, you know, about five, six, dark hair. She's sitting there bebopping. I walked, I walked in and I said, you looking for the Holy Spirit? She looked, she looked like she saw a ghost, man. She opens, she reaches in her drawer, she opens the drawer, pulls out a Bible, she opens it, and her word were, what is the Holy Spirit? Okay? (laughs) She goes, long story short, she goes, after I said, well, you know, the Lord wants to get you baptized in the Holy Spirit, she's like, she's like, looking like she saw a ghost, man. She goes, you mean today? I said, yeah. I go, bring your friends. (laughs) And there's like 10 people in my office at lunchtime. She gets baptized in the Holy Spirit, okay? She starts praying in tongues. She's weeping. She's crying. Um, The woman who met me at the door, um, she got filled with joy. She got so drunk in the Spirit. Now, now this is at a chemical plant. She got so filled with joy that she's literally like comatose on the floor, cannot stand up, laughing to the point where she can't stand up, okay? And it's like, it's 1, one o'clock, one fifteen. Everybody's like, back to work. What are we going to do? And we're, everybody's looking out. Everybody's looking out like, you know, everybody's peeking over, over cubicles and stuff. We literally put her over our arms and drug her down the hall, put her in her office and shut the door. And she, she, she laid in her office intoxicated in the Holy Spirit. Could not, could not walk. Okay. All right. And so, I mean, there's so, so many of those stories we would have. They literally would call me. We meeting today. We meeting today. We meeting today. And this plant was about three, a 300 man chemical plant. Um, pretty soon there's 10 people baptized in the Holy Ghost, praying in tongues. They're coming to my office, praying in the spirit. Then there's 15. Then there's 20. Then there's 30. Okay. It started getting like literally um, I had a pretty big office and like they're crammed in my office waiting for what like prophecy. And I mean, it was all, it was on, man. It was, it was full blown Muskoka life church. And then, <laughs> all right. And so, um, pretty soon I'm in there one day and I'm, I'm, I'm ministering, I'm prophesying to people and I look up and the plant manager, his name's Jared. He's in, he's over there looking like this. He's looking in. He wants to see if there's any holy rollers. He wants to see what the heck's going on in Dave Cuppet's office, right? What's going on? And for, for weeks, he's, he's watching me, okay? And um, this was like kind of wild. But the next thing that happened, and this is probably two, three months into this at this point, all of a sudden I get this, this phone call. Um, it's the regional director for human resources. Um, he came, he flew into Pittsburgh for me. Hey, you uh, need to come to HR office. We need to talk. Okay. 
And so I walk, I walk down the hall. I sit in there, and this guy, this guy was a Christian, and he goes, he goes, I'm a believer, but I've never seen anything like this. He goes, there's stories, not just at this plant. There's stories. Um, you know, this chemical plant was in the top five world chemical operations. Okay, he's like, there's stories at corporate about you. <laughs> they're, they're, you're like that preacher guy in Pittsburgh at the chemical plant. He goes, but here, here, here's what's going on. He says, he goes, um, and he named the woman. Okay, um, she was in HR at the chemical plant. He says, uh, he goes, um, we have to, you know, follow our policy, and she is completely against what you're doing, and she's going to stop you. Um, I said, she's not stopping me. Because it's not me. This is the Holy Spirit. Okay? She's, I said, she's not stopping me. I mean, we went back and forth for like 20 minutes. And I said, he goes, you're going to keep doing it? I said, you're dang right. I, I came here to do this. Okay? And so... Come on. <laughs> Come on. And so, people don't realize that when you say yes to the Lord, you're actually in his vision and what that actually carries. You know, when the Lord, when the Lord put the Israelites in Exodus 20, he said, I will send my angel before you. I will be an enemy to your enemy and an adversary to your adversary. Nothing will be able to stand in front of you. I will move them out of the way. I will be your rear guard. I will be around you if you're in my vision. Amen. Amen. And so the, the discussion ended with, I'm not stopping. Okay. And so I go home that night. I come in the next morning, um, eight o'clock. And the lady who met me at the front door on my first day, she was waiting for me in my office. And she goes, she's, she's looking, she's, she's literally waiting for me to walk in my office. She's like this. And she goes, she died. I said, who died? She goes, the angel girl. I said, what happened? She goes, she suddenly got sick last night. They rushed her to the hospital and they put on her death certificate, died of unknown causes. She just died. There's no heart attack. There's no, she literally just died. And she goes, this is in and I since the fire. I was speechless. She, she, she literally runs. She's running out. I can hear her. Ananias and Sapphira. Ananias and Sapphira. Dude, there were, there were I'm, I went to my desk. I'm sitting there and I'm like the fear of God. Like, you, you, really, you really moved her out of my way. And people say, would the Lord do that? Stand in the way of the Lord's move. Stand in, in the way of what the Lord is going to do. Okay? Stand in my way, says the Lord. I dare you to stand in my way. I'm sitting, I'm, I'm literally sitting there and I'm, you feel the fear of the Lord, don't you? My God is real, baby. And whenever I walk with my God, people say, how did you go to India? You know, half the missions I did in India, standing in front of four or 5,000 people, I did myself. How'd you do that? I walked in a vision. I walked with the God I knew was, I was in his vision. I was with him. He wasn't with me. I was with him. 
Where are we going today? Who's getting raised? Who's going to get healed? Who's going to hear? Who, who's going to see? Come on, baby. Where did your faith from? I don't know. I had a couple battles that trained me to believe. Come on. Amen. Come on. And so I'm sitting there at my desk and I'm like, I'm, an, I'm like, oh my goodness. And she's running. I mean, I, I, you can hear her running down the hall. Then I see her running down the middle of the plant. She ran to the nurse's office. She got her friend, the nurse. He's real. God's real. They couldn't stop the move of God. There were people at that point, there were people getting baptized in the Holy Ghost in the middle of the operations room. There were people walking into my office saying, can you tell me what the Lord's saying about me? Right? I mean, and, and I mean, it was just like I was in his vision and it became so easy. It literally was like ducks on a pond, baby. Bang, bang, bang. Literally, they're walking in. Boom, boom, boom. Literally. Amen? And so, <laughs> revival. Literally, revival, okay? You know, when I left, when I, left I was in Pittsburgh for 16 months. The, the site manager who was watching in the door, I got a crazy story about that, but it, it'll take me too long to do it. But he ended up getting baptized in the Holy Spirit and he became a preacher in prisons. Amen. Preaching in prisons, I don't even know what I'm supposed to say, but it comes out. <laughs> the nurse, the nurse birthed the woman's group, the secretary to the, to the plant manager, um, became a preacher. She literally started traveling to churches and ministry. Okay? And the six, in the 16 months I was in... In, uh, <laughs> in the 16 months I was in Pittsburgh, there were 36 pastors baptized in the Holy Ghost. 36 pastors who said the Holy Ghost isn't real when I met them. But when I was done with them... <gasps> Like, your God's real, right? Come on, come on, come on. Praying in tongues. One guy, one, one, one guy was a Church of Christ pastor. He got baptized in the Holy Ghost on a, uh, on a beach mission trip. And um, he came back from the beach, beach mission trip on a Saturday night, walked into his pulpit. Do you know what a Church of Christ uh, church looks like? There is no Holy Spirit. There's no instruments. There's, there's literally nothing. Okay, and he walked in, he started ministering. He said, Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit are real. God literally speaks today. You know, they don't think God speaks today. They're sensationalists. They actually think that, well, you have God's Bible. And so you don't actually need God. And he walked in after a couple days with me. Okay, and he he walks into his church and he has an altar call for people to get baptized in the Holy Spirit. He's like. You should have seen it. I'm like, yeah, I wish I'd have been there. <laughs> but when you're when you are under an apostolic mandate, when you are under an apostolic call, there's a force that is with you. Yes. There is a supernatural force that cannot be stopped. Okay? But what I'm gonna tell you the other side of the story. Because the other side of the story is what Shelley dealt with. I used to, like, I, I, I literally would have these supernatural things happening um, in the workplace and in these different church places where the Lord would send me. And at night, I literally would get visited. I would get visited by these, by these demonic powers. And I would shake. I would lay in bed and I would shake. And she, she, 
watch she come in and she said, you know, she tears like, it was like, are you going to die? I'm like, I don't know, right? It was real. I mean, you guys know demons are real? Yes. Paul said we don't war against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers of darkness, Amen. right? And I'm here to tell you that when you're sent to do a supernatural thing, one of the evidences of your calling um, is the war, is the opposition. And your faith in the middle of the battle, not bowing to the principality that has come to thwart the apostolic callings upon your life, but you actually get up and say, today you're going to pay, devil. Today the nurse is getting filled with the Holy Ghost. Today, today, devil, you're paying. You are paying today. You, you may say, what do you mean the devil's paying? Do you know that's one of the aspects of the Holy Spirit? The devil pays? He is guilty. In John, in John 16, in John 16, Jesus said, when the Holy Spirit comes, he will do three things. He will convict the world of sin. He will convict the world of, of, of uh, righteousness. Right? Meaning that Christ died for your sin to make you righteous. That's the simple point of that. And the third one is whenever you step into his righteousness, the judgment against sin is no longer on you. It's against your enemy. My God, can I get somebody like to get that? Like, like, like literally when you step out of sin, if you really knew what was on you, that the judgment of God that you carried was not no longer against your sin because you're under the blood of Christ. So therefore, every demon, every principality, everything that comes to oppose you, the judgment of the Holy Ghost is on your enemy. That's why the Lord says, I'll be an enemy to your enemies if you follow my voice. I will be an adversary to your adversaries. If you follow my voice, if you are under my voice, if you are under my apostolic mandate, an apostolic mandate, Jesus was the apostle and he broke open the veil as an apostle to pour out his spirit upon the army of the Lord. That you would walk no longer thinking you're a sinner. No longer that you have to achieve righteousness, that Jesus accomplished both of those so you could walk in his voice and judge the world. You say, well, what do you mean judge? I was taught not to judge. No, you're supposed to judge. The church is called to judge. And that doesn't mean that you call the world sinners. You actually judge in righteousness. Jesus in, in, in Isaiah 11, it says that the sevenfold spirit of God was on Jesus. Right? Spirit of wisdom, understanding, counsel, and might. Spirit of um, knowledge, it's actually the word intimacy. And the fear of the Lord. And it said that Jesus did not judge by the seeing of the eye or the hearing of the ear, but he judged with true discernment. You see, when I'm looking at a person, I'm not looking at their sin. I'm looking at them the way Christ sees them. And I'm pulling the real righteous one out. What would an army look like if they functioned in judgment? And they functioned in the power that you're called to judge people. I'm here to pull you out of the dark thing and bring you in to the power and the grace of the presence of the blood of Christ, the Holy Spirit. Christ present with you. Can I get an apostolic Yahoo? Come, come on. You see, when your enemy comes, it's verification of the apostolic mandate. You can't stop me, devil. In fact, not only 
you come my way, you're going to pay when you lose Jill and John and Bob. And they come into the kingdom. Come on. Come on. Oh. <laughs> Jezebel can't stop an outpouring. Religion can't stop an outpouring. The political spirit can't stop an outpouring. Leviathan can't stop an outpouring. There's not a principality on earth that can stop an outpouring of the Holy Ghost. When a man has been sent to a place with a mandate. When a man has been sent to a place with a mandate, God is present with him. And he will fulfill what he said he would do. Do you know know your purpose? Do you know your call in the army, in the apostolic mandate on this house? So when... uh, so when Mr. Uh, Roberts here called me and said, we're doing a revival meeting and I asked the Lord what we're going to talk about. This is what he showed me. This is a long vision, but I'm going to read it to you. All right. Are you ready? Yeah. yeah. I see life church facing dragons that are flying in the skies above. The people have bows in their hands, but most of the bows the people carry are powerless against the dragons. They would pull back the bow, release the arrow, hoping to pierce the dragon. But to their demise, the dragon would grab the arrow out out of thin air. It would literally grab it with its mouth and break it. And the arrow would fall powerless to the ground. But then I see something. I then see Joel, Caitlin, and Rachel standing at the altar with a jackhammer. The Holy Spirit has a laser beam right in this area, right here where I'm standing. A laser beam is marking the place where the jackhammer is supposed to do its thing. It's hard to break through the hardened ground covered in concrete, but they are faithful and believing for the breakthrough. They each take turns working the jackhammer. They're tired, but they keep going. They keep on the hammer. They keep on the jackhammer. Others see them and join in to keep the jackhammer going continuously. As long as they work the jackhammer, (laughs) there is an electricity in the air that gives the team great power and energy to hold on to the jackhammer. They break through the cement floor just enough to remove a chunk of concrete and feel the soil below it. Instantly, there's words that appear on the floor. It says, I will increase you. Everybody can see the writing on the floor. Everybody. Everybody's enamored that the jackhammer produced a breakthrough. An angel appears and reaches into the opening with immense strength, able to lift and remove the concrete in massive chunks. Within what feels like seconds, the concrete floor is removed from the church. And an army of angels appear holding shovels. The angels begin placing shovels in the hands of the whole church. All the people begin digging as a team. They uncover an arsenal of a particular weapon called the battle bow. There are hundreds of battle bows that are over, they're like three meters. They're these real big, you know, those big, like the the archers that stood on top of the the, uh, castle walls. 
And they could literally, for like kilometers, launch the, these arrows, okay? So the dragons recognized that the people were on the verge of a breakthrough. So they organized and began to aggressively attack the people. Can I get an amen? amen. Anybody feel a, a little bit of tension in the room? Anybody feel a little bit of tension lately? A little bit of conflict? You know, sometimes you, when, as, you're, as, you're, as you're going through growth points, as, as you're growing through increases, there's times that it's just like, it's just like, it's just like glory. Everybody's like saturated in the glory. But then when it's time for the Lord to take you to a, to a new place, to increase you, suddenly things like there's rubs, there's friction, there's things that don't feel right. Amen? But I want to, I'm going to interpret this vision for you, but I want to point out that the team broke through when they all had shovels in their hands in unison, digging, believing that there was a weapon, believing that there was increase, believing together. Amen? So so, so as they break through and there's this arsenal that's opened and battle bows are distributed, the angels, there's like this angel assigned to every person. One angel, get this picture guys, one angel was with the apostolic call that's on this house, pointing a laser beam to the church, pointing like a laser beam that if you believe that you will jack, you will work it like a jackhammer in unison until the whole body is equipped with the power that the Lord promised to the apostolic receiver. Amen? Amen? So your increase is connected to believing what the call is upon this house. All right. This time, everybody say this time. The dragons are powerless against the church. As dragons are pierced through, they fall to the ground dead. The darkness in the skies disappears as the light shines through. And the army of the Lord is increased in every direction. People are emboldened as real faith is known in the hearts of the army. And people come from every direction saying, I want to be what you are. Faith is now contagious as the people know that God has come with them into the land to increase them and to drive out the enemies of God. Deliverance, healing, people raised from the dead. It's, it's natural. It's the way things are. It's what is supposed to happen. The army, right? You, the army. Amen. <laughs> Those watching seek to join the army as it grows, but this time... There's great value placed on the digging and the breakthrough of hardened soil. The body learns to break through. The value system is so profoundly changed. It's so profoundly different now that everywhere the army goes, those going in in first carry shovels. Those going in first carry jackhammers because they learn how to break through. They learned that a principality has no match for the assignment that's on the apostolic anointing to release an army to go to a place, to dig, to build, to plant. (laughs) They carry the shovels because they know. They carry the jackhammers because they know 
that to get to the battle bow that kills dragons. And a dragon, by the way, in scripture, not only is symbolic of Satan, it's symbolic of principalities. Right? Right? And if, if you don't know, um, you're not supposed to fear anything. Zero. Nada. There is not one thing you are to fear. In fact, one of the number one commands that the Lord says is do not fear. Do not fear. Do not fear. Because when, when, the, when the Lord speaks to His church in, in Ephesians 3.10, 3, um, He says that the manifold wisdom of God will be made known to the principalities by what? Church. By the church. You see, the true evidence of an apostolic call is that the body becomes supernatural. That the body knows how to break through. The body's not intimidated. The body has given their life. The body doesn't give in. The body knows how to expand and increase. And not only does one apostle establish himself, but the Lord multiplies. And apostles and prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, people baptized in the Holy Ghost start going in different directions because one man said yes. <clears throat> you with me? You believe in the call Amen. on your apostle, your apostles, Dan and Linda? Do you believe it? No, I'm serious. I need to know. I need to know. I wouldn't give up my weekend for nothing. Okay? I came because I believe the Lord is awakening an army to bring an alignment that is going to be supernatural. Okay? You see, in the midst of the battle, there's a generational blessing. And I believe the first thing the Lord wants to say to you, Stan and Linda, is your dream will not die. Your dream will live. Your dream will not only live, your dream will increase. Your dream will grow. Your dream is God's dream and it will not fall to the ground dead. It will be supernaturally increased. Amen. It will grow. It will have dominion. It will do what it was called to do. Amen. You, re- you with me on this church? Say this with me. Say, Dan and Linda. Dan and Linda. You, will not die, you will not die. But you will live. You will live. I, am with you. I am with you. Come on, I am with you. Come on. Hey! <laughs> feel, do you feel that? Say this with me. Say, the coat that's on you, the coat that's on you. will come upon me. Come on, man. That's a mantle. If you can see the mantle that you sit under, one day that mantle will fall on you. I, I, I feel the presence of the Lord. Like I can feel this heavy weight like coming down. Amen? Your dream will not die. It will live and it will increase. It will grow. Because the Lord has pulled together a people. The Lord has has rallied together a people who are uh, not going to uh, uh, let that jackhammer go unmanned. Who will not let the shovels go unmanned. They will step in because it is the call of the Lord. The Lord is pulling people into a deeper, deeper purpose, a deeper revelation, a deeper alignment. Amen. You see, it's always about the next generation. Increase is about you going to war so that your next generation can walk in a in a deliverance and a healing that you you actually fought for. 
that you actually literally gave your life to. Yes. Amen. Second Samuel one eighteen, David says this. David was David was lamenting over Saul. You know, Saul, the, the anointing lifted off of Saul because Saul denied the voice. He tried to cater to the fear that was on the people. Taking care of everybody in, you know, like coddling them, making sure they got fed, doing all this. That then the anointing that was on David was a kingly anointing. It was an apostolic anointing. And the apostolic anointing, David actually cared for the next generation. David actually wanted the oil that was on him to produce kings, right? To increase. And, 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 and he says this in 2 Samuel 1.18, Then David lamented with his lamentation over Saul and over Jonathan, his son. And he told them to teach the children of Judah the song of the bow, the battle bow. Okay? It's interpreted the battle bow. Indeed, it is written in the book of Jasher. You see, David's strength was the voice of the Lord. The mandate that came upon his life. And David took a shepherd boy and made him a king of a nation because he followed his voice. And Saul, who was what we would call a cookie cutter, catered to the people. An apostolic mandate is not about catering to the people. An apostolic mandate is about... Give your life to Christ. Right? That's what he said. He who desires to save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Amen. And when you give your life to the call, to the apostolic mandate, guess what happens to you? The battle bow gets put in your hand. And no longer are you out there trying to shoot down dragons trying to shoot down flying serpents, which is a symbol of the generational curses and the principalities and all the assignments that come against the, the individual, right? When you're functioning as an individual, your bow is kind of weak. But when you step under an apostolic mandate and an assignment to take ground, are you with me? When you step under the assignment to take ground and say, what do you need me to do? What do you need me to do? What do you need me to do? There's gifts that just start functioning. There's supernatural powers that start flowing out of people. And I am, I am testifying to you at this point. When I stepped underneath my apostle and I said, whatever you need me to do, the next thing I know, I'm standing in front of the church. I'm prophesying. I'm casting out devils. I'm healing the sick. I'm raising the dead. People are coming to my house, getting filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm like, what is this? What, what is this? Submitted to an apostle. And the, and, and the cloak, the coat that was on him one day fell on me. Do you know your size? Have you told your pastor your size? Does, it, does he know what size coat you wear? Does he know? I'm, 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 it's a metaphor. I'm, does he know your heart and what you're, what you're committed to in, in, in the apostolic call in Muskoka? I'm serious, man. We need, we need warriors. Yeah. We need shovel. We need people on the shovel. Yeah. We need people on the jackhammer. Okay? We need people on the jackhammer. You see, there's a difference between gifts and calling. Okay? The gifts of the Spirit are for everybody. Yeah. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 
Verse 1 through 11 talks about all the gifts, faith, prophecy, words of knowledge, working of miracles, tongues, interpretation of tongues, healing. Those are all gifts that everybody is supposed to flow in because they're gifts of the Holy Spirit. But then there's calls. Then there's people that Jesus Christ calls to give their life. Okay? And that's Ephesians uh, 4.11. It says, Jesus said, some are called apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And those are rare, okay? There's, there's, probably a hand, there's probably a handful in here. But the point is, when you come under an apostolic mandate, all of those gifts of the Spirit will flow, okay? And the body is needed so that that apostolic mandate will happen. Amen? Tell your neighbor you're needed. The army of the Lord is calling you. Are you willing to, to man a shovel? Yes. Come on, are you willing to man a jackhammer? <laughs> Come on, are you willing to man a jackhammer? <laughs> Who here is on the intercession team? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Eight people? We need at least 20 more. Come on. Come on. The intercession that a church believes and flows in is where the church will go. Do you believe that the prophetic produces what's next? Do you believe that as you intercede, as that jackhammer is jacking and breaking through, okay, you're actually digging up. You're actually digging the power of the battle bow. You know what the battle bow? It's a symbol of the voice. As you intercede, what did the Lord promise the church? He said, I wish you all prayed in tongues even more than you prophesied. Why? Because if you pray in tongues, the Lord said, I will speak to you. I will pour out my spirit upon you. My voice, you will know my voice. And when you speak my voice, you will break through. You will break through hard, hard, hard surfaces. Nothing will stop you. That's the symbolism of a jackhammer and, and the shovel. So only eight people are manning a jackhammer. And a shovel? Come on, man. I thought you were an army. You see, in my vision, I saw the whole body manning a shovel. And it's not just it's not just intercession team. It's youth ministry. It's deliverance ministry. It's literally casting out demon ministry. Demons need cast out of people. People need the prophecy. They literally need the word of the Lord because the word of the Lord does amazing things when the prophet Jeremiah was called he said I don't care you think you're a youth I don't care I don't want to hear that when I touch you and I put my words in your mouth you will destroy tear down and uproot demonic kingdoms and you will build and plant mine and I hear the Lord say I'm looking for one to believe me I'm looking for one to say you know what I'm going to man that jackhammer I am going to man that shovel and I'm going to dig because there's an angel shining a light on this house with a purpose. You believe that this place is called to break, that there's a breakthrough anointing on this house? You're not just called to be a fun place on Sundays. You're called to break through the hard ground. You're called to, to, to literally, sometimes, you know, when I was being birthed in those seven years under that apostle, there were nights I prayed in tongues. Whole nights. 
Fasting. Three, four, five, ten days. Water only. Fasting and praying and breaking through. Fasting and praying and breaking through. And all of a sudden the Lord shows up. People say, why do people get filled with the Holy Ghost everywhere you go? Because I broke through. Because I learned how to pray. Because I wouldn't stop until that depression that hovered over me was broken in the name of Jesus. Wouldn't stop. Because the Lord said it. Right? Behold, I give you authority to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the supernatural power of the devil. And nothing shall by any means harm you. Either you're real Lord or you're not. And I'm going to find out. Come on, Holy Ghost. You see, you're in a you're in a supernatural training ground right now. Right now. Right now you're in a supernatural training ground. You can say today, I'm giving my whole heart to the call of God, and you watch how the Lord teaches you to break through and overcome and have dominion. People are saying, no, I want the jackhammer. Well, you got to wait. I want the jackhammer. I want the jackhammer. That's a whole different problem than begging. We need someone on the jackhammer. Come on, church. People running. I believe in your word. You know that jack, the jackhammer. He he told Jeremiah, you are my battle axe, my hammer, my weapon of war. I will use you to break through. Right? And all Jeremiah had to do was hear and speak. Hear and speak. And he broke through. Amen? Amen. Amen. You see, the battle that you face right now today is an opportunity. You see, Elijah, you know the guy named Elijah? Elijah functioned under a calling. It resulted in a battle that produced the next generation being supernatural. Okay? You guys all know the story of Elijah and and, uh, Jezebel, right? Elijah is literally slaying prophets, hundreds of of prophets at Baal, mocking them. Right? On the mountain. Fire, calling down fire. And all of a sudden, Jezebel comes and speaks. Right? And all of a sudden, the man of God is shaken. Like he never felt the demonic anointing that strong. Been bumping anything lately? Come on. Am I, am, I, am I talking to the right people? You've been bumping into anything lately? Why do I feel confused? Why do I feel so lethargic? Why do I feel so worried? Where does anxiety come from? Where does depression come from? Where did it come from? Am I going nuts? Maybe I just maybe I'm just not called. I should just I should just go in the ride in the cave. I'm not worth I'm not worth anything. Come on. You know what called Elijah out of the cave? The word of the Lord. The still small voice said, Elijah, I have a bigger plan for you. You see, I've heard preachers, and I this hurts me to no end. I've heard preachers say Elijah was fired. Elijah wasn't fired. Elijah was promoted. Elijah was promoted. Oh, well, he ran in fear. He hit in a cave. He was about to quit. Yeah, the Lord promoted him. That doesn't sound right. Listen, when I was in Pittsburgh, I would I would literally lay in bed and shake at night. Sometimes all night long. I know, I know it's real. Right? 
But I'm here to tell you, I couldn't understand what I'm about to preach to you until I experienced that season. And I'm here to tell you that there's an apostolic mandate on this house that is so supernatural. I don't care if you're shaking in fear. I don't care if depression visits you every night. I don't care if you're confused and people are at odds and all this other junk. I don't care. What I do care about is you find a a sweet spot, a place where all of a sudden you can hear his voice. Because here's what happened when, when, when the voice came to Elisha, right? He comes out and he says, go down and anoint Haziel, king of Syria. Go down and anoint Jehu, king of, of Israel. Well, I thought Jezebel was king of Israel. Not according to the Lord. Go down and anoint Elisha. The next prophet who will carry your mantle. How many people did I see in the vision on the jackhammer? How many people did I see in the vision on the jackhammer? It started with three, but it shook a nation. It starts with three who were anointed by the prophet who will shake a nation. You see, the greatest revival that ever happened in Israel happened after Elijah came out of the cave. Well, I thought it, I thought it was when, when Elijah was on the mountain. No, that was pretty good. But there was a generational thing. There was an increase that the Lord wanted to do for the nation. And he anointed three, right? He called Haziel in Syria that wasn't even a Christian nation and said, I'm placing my king in that nation. Then he says, Jehu. You are going to go kill the very thing that came to intimidate the prophet. Got any killers in the house? I'm serious, baby. You got any killers in the house? And any anointed Elisha. Who asked for a double portion. Is there anybody say, I want more than Dan. I want more than Linda. I'm willing to give my life and man that jackhammer. I am willing to follow him to the ends of the earth. I am willing to do what the apostle that I know the Lord sent was sent here to do. So that his coat would one day land on me. And the land that the Lord promised to take. The land that the Lord promised a man that he would take. That same mentality, that same anointing, that breakthrough expectation would be upon a multiplied force of supernatural ones. Do you know that Israel, after all three of those were anointed, not only did Jezebel Jezebel fall, but the nation literally went into revival. Because a man heard the voice in the midst of the darkest moment of his life. It doesn't matter how dark it is, baby. It does not matter how dark it is. You see, if if you hear one little word, one word, one, Joshua, Paul, Peter, Rachel. Caitlin! Come on, Joel! 
voice is so powerful. You may have heard the story, but maybe you didn't experience his voice is so powerful. It says at the beginning that the Lord actually, the, the, the world was covered in darkness and he actually hunted it. He wasn't afraid of it. He hunted it and created it. Do we have any hunters? I'm serious, baby. I'm talking about a killer mentality. I'm talking about you have given your life that there's nothing that will stop you. You believe it. You have given to it. You're sowing into it. And you believe what's on him is going to come on you. And you drive and push and drive and push. And you expect to raise the dead. You expect to heal the sick. Right? You see, a lot of people think, well, we're just going to get activated in the gifts. But it's really about your heart. It's really about your heart. Have you positioned your heart, not about what you want, but positioned to hear them? I'm going to get drunk. Because the Lord is going to do something supernatural with all you. Wow. 
He wants your heart, baby. Amen. Come on. I'm literally, like the last three days, I'm, I'm listening to him like a caged lion. <laughs> I take authority over the confusion that has come against you, over the intimidation, over the lies, over the over the confrontations, over the deception, and I call you Satan, you're a liar, you've been seen. I take authority over you. Go in Jesus' name. I command Jezebel to go. You will not scare off this apostle. And both apostles, you will not scare off the apostles of this house. You will not scare them off. You will not scare them off. Because multiplication is upon this house. Increase is upon this house. There's going to be people sent to other cities out of this place. There's going to be people sent to other nations out of this place. Because you gave your heart in this season. And the Lord made you something. that How Moses poured oil on 70 you are going to experience that. But it starts with your heart. Will you man the jackhammer? Will you man the shovel? Will you man it? I hear the Lord say, I'm giving you permission to be apostles. I am dead serious. I am so dead serious. I, I, I am giving you permission to be apostles. No more pussyfooting around. No more walking and dancing around taboos. No more this and no more that. We don't have time for that. Get in line. I'm calling my church to get in line. Well, I thought it was about numbers. Numbers don't come till hearts are made supernatural. It's not about numbers at the beginning. It's about hearts given to the call and the purpose and becoming supernatural aligned with his voice. You see, Gideon, the Lord, the Lord, the, you know, the Lord takes Gideon. Gideon, you're going to do a supernatural thing. Raise an army. And he's outnumbered. And then the Lord starts stripping him. Until he gets down to people who are drinking in the way the Lord wants them to drink. To drink ready for war. To drink looking ready for war. To drink looking ready for war. Ready for what the captain has to say, where we're going, what we're doing, how we're going to do it. Whatever you say, captain. Thank you for joining this week's episode of the School of the Holy Spirit. For more information or to request David at your church or conference, please go to davidcuppet.org. D-A-V-I-D-C-U-P-P-E-T-T dot O-R-G or fivestoneministries.org. You can also find the School of the Holy Spirit podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and Charisma Magazine. For a deeper dive into the Holy Spirit, we encourage you to purchase David's new book entitled Wisdom-Filled Warriors, available on Amazon. We pray that you will encounter the Holy Spirit in a transforming way and become all that Christ has prophesied over your life.